we're continuing to work through the book of James. And again, just kind of refocusing on what James' overall point is, what he's trying to, trying to get through to us is really practical stuff, hands-on, life application kind of things. But we don't do these things to earn Jesus' approval. We do these things because Jesus is in our life and he's working through us, in us, to the outside. Right? That's, that's what we're, we're looking for. That's what James is trying to, trying to get through. So my, uh, my social media feeds are kind of littered with these, most of them are ads, but some of them are my friends who are doing this thing for um, like this on-demand coaching, right? Like master classes with Gordon Ramsay and Thomas Keller who are, who are chefs or, um, you know, lifestyle coaches or, or fitness gurus. And you can sign up and pay them a, a small monthly fee and they'll give you their programming and you can call them or text them or whatever it is. Um, I actually have some really good friends who are doing this and are being quite successful at it. Everything from, you know, supplements to, to meal plans to workout stuff. And they're just, they want to be there uh, for people. They extend themselves to people. And so they're like coaches or, or mentors. But the key to those relationships, right, is number one, how good the coach is. And number two, the willingness of the coachee or the player, right, to listen and implement what it is the, the coach is telling them to do. So as we jump into James this morning, we're going to read about uh, some folks who had access to the ultimate coach, but chose not to take advantage of it. We're looking at James chapter 4, and we're starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So, we're looking at what James is saying here in terms of God's speaking, right? So in my very rough, crude analogy, God is the coach, we're the players, and they're, um, we're looking at James, and he's, you know, this is two weeks in a row, if you were here last week, where he's just kind of, feels like he's just calling out bad behavior, like you guys are screwing up, knock it off. And if we dig underneath that, what we find is like this, this heart this pastor's heart in James that he wants for his people. He wants the richest, most fulfilling, deepest life that they can have. And he, he recognizes the part that's missing. And he's like saying, hey, you're missing something. And even more than that, the God of the universe who James is, is trying to point to, who loves these people dearly and who knows far more about business than they ever could, and wants to be involved in every aspect of their life, but they're neglecting to, to, invite, to invite him in. And as we sit here this morning, what I want you to hear from me is my pastor's heart for you, just like James, that I want the absolute best, most fulfilling life here and now. Right, Eternal life with Jesus, those of us who are walking with him, starts here and now. It doesn't, it doesn't begin when this life ends. It starts here and now, as the things of heaven come in and through us and work their way 
out. And that's what I want for you. And the God of the universe who had those desires for the people 2,000 years ago still has those same desires for you. Whether you know it or not, the God of the universe wants to be involved in every single part of your life. He cares deeply about what you might consider the details and the minutia of what's happening in your day-to-day. And he cares deeply about the big things that you get to celebrate and the big things that break your heart. So our big idea for this morning is this, is God is glorified and we benefit when we join with him in every area of our lives. That's what I want us to leave here with. God is glorified and we benefit when we join with him in every area of our lives. So we're just going to jump in and we're going to start picking at the text and seeing what we, what we can find out. We're going to work backwards and go a little Quentin Tarantino and start at the end and work our way back to the beginning. Thank you, my wife, for laughing at that. <clears throat> if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. So these, James is talking to a group of businessmen. Some of them were merchants. Some of them were landowners. And they had everything figured out. They had the who's, the what's, the the hows, how long, when, but they didn't include God in any of their plans. So James is not harshing on them for doing their planning. He would actually commend them for their planning. What he's, what he's being direct with and calling them out on is the fact that they didn't include God in their planning, right? So the good that they ought to do is invite God into what's going on. And in reality, where we're going to end with is not looking to invite God into what we're doing, but that we might join God in, in what he's doing. So as we push, it, push backwards, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. So this is where we're going to spend the crux of our time this morning, right? The Lord's will. What is it that God wants for us as a community? What is it that he wants for us as individuals? And that's like a, a pretty common question. What's God's will for my life? And I had a mentor who taught me a really, um, a really cool way to look at this, and I've kind of adopted it. And the really short answer to this is that God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. So just come ask me. I'll tell you what it is. Again, thank you. Either it's not funny or she's the only one that's awake. I'm hoping it's that she's the only one that's awake. All right. All um, right. What is God's will? How do we figure out what, what God's will is? And then how do we join him in that? And I'm going to break this down into a couple different pieces. There's like this ongoing practice of, of being uh, in step with Jesus. And then there's like point in time kind of bigger decisions and how we figure out what, what God's will is. Wow, that's really small. Sorry. Those are verses. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Right, so the first kind of point in our ongoing desire to walk in God's will is this. What you're about to do, will it bring glory to God? And that concept of glory to God is kind of hard to wrap our brains around. Will it, whatever it is I'm about to do, say, think, will it shine a greater light on Jesus? Or will it push him further into the shadows and make him harder to find? When you think about bringing glory to God, whatever you do, do it so that you bring glory to God. Will it make it him, Jesus easier to find for others and for yourselves, or will it make him harder to find? The next one is there from Matthew 6.10. 
It's a portion of what is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout scriptures, we get a couple of glimpses into what heaven is like. And what we see is it's all Jesus, all the time, and everybody there is worshiping Jesus. So, our life here, how do we follow God's will here and now? That prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. People are constantly, the angels are constantly worshiping Jesus. So that's what we should be doing. We're supposed to live in response to Jesus. Whether that's, you know, I posted that somebody's um, look up, lean in, reach out card where it said they want to pray while they're doing laundry, right? You can do laundry as an act of worship. Anything that you do, you can turn into an act of worship. Your commute, right? So here's the thing, folks. Listen, we're talking about getting car magnets for Crossroads. You slap that puppy on your car, Crossroads Community Church. We got to step up our driving game, folks. We can't be cutting people off, right? We can't be, we can't be driving 80 miles an hour, Gail okay? Like we can't. <clears throat> Is what you're doing an act of worship. Is it a response, right? Sorry, I skipped, I skipped ahead. Um, and of course, the ongoing general, you know, we spent the whole, the whole month of January talking about loving God and loving others and trying to imitate Jesus. That would kind of be like the overarching expression of of how do we know God's will? Is what we're going to do, is it going to be an expression of love towards God? Is it going to be an expression of love towards others? And if you missed any of that, it's all, it's all on the website. You can go catch all of, those, um, all of those messages and see, dig deeper into that part. Virginia, I just got a slide change error, so I might need you to, uh, to jump in if this doesn't work for me. There we go. Good. Okay. So there are... Um, couple places in the New Testament that specifically say this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? And the, the scripture references are up there. And it the things that get talked about where it says this is God's will for you, sexual purity, pray without ceasing, be grateful in all circumstances, be joyful in all circumstances, develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, not wine, and the last, the last thing it says is um, you are created to do good works. Long before time existed, God had you in mind, and he had your specific gifts and abilities in mind, and he had good works in mind for you to do. Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill down on two of those a little bit, a little bit more. This idea of God's will um, in 1 Thessalonians God's will for you is that you would pursue sexual purity. So God created relationships and sex. And he created them to be awesome. And he created them to be amazing. And he created them to, um, to have boundaries which are for our good and for, and for his glory. So when, we, when we're thinking about these things, the best thing that we can do when, we're, when we have a question about sex or relationships, the best thing that we can do is turn to God and to his word. 
He is the inventor, the creator, the perfecter of sex and relationships. We have access to him through his word, through prayer, through the counsel of others. And it, it just, it wouldn't make sense to turn anywhere else. You know, I was trying to think of like what the right example would be. It, it, it would be like, okay, I want to learn how to drive. I'm going to ask a blindfolded three-year-old to teach me how to drive, right? If we would turn to social media or even our peers or, you know, the media in general for what we should, you know, how we should try to wrap our minds around godly sex and relationships. So that's one of the things that points specifically, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that you would pursue sexual purity. Another one is good works. And what I, what I would encourage you about this, so we were each created to do good works. And, you know, I have conversations with people during the week, and they say, well, I don't, you know, what, I don't have gifts, right? I don't have gifts like Joe or Susie or Bobby. Like, I'm, I'm unskilled. Like, you were created to do good works. There's no caveats to that. Like, it's only people with rhythm can do good works. Or only people, you know, who are athletic, whatever it is. It's not, there's no limit to that. So I would encourage you not to place a limit on yourself. I have kind of two different examples. I was having a conversation with somebody once, um, and I just threw something out there. I said, you know, what if God is calling you to, to X, Y, and Z? You, you know, you ever think about praying if that's what God is asking you to do? And like, um, no, I, I, w- I would never pray that because God would never ask me to do that. Don't limit what you think God might be calling you to. Right? Who knows? God, God may call you into a season of something that you did not expect at all. Don't limit what God is calling you to. So here, this one, and I'll turn around and I'll point the, I'll point the finger at myself. I, um, I was born and raised more or less in Trumbull. I graduated from, from Trumbull High. And I swore up and down that I would not raise a family in Fairfield County. And yet, here I am. Right? I tried to go to Arkansas, and and God brought me back. I was trying to limit what God could do and how he could do it. Because I had this perception of where it was that I should be doing it. God has good works in store for you to do. Don't limit him. God's will for you is that you would participate in the good works that he has prepared for you. So we kind of have like the, the, this ongoing, like just general way of looking at life, loving God and loving others, bringing glory to God in everything we do. Everything we do can be an act of worship. And there are these really specific things that God calls us to. This is my will for you. Sexual purity, gratitude, prayer, good works, developing our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Kind of the, the ongoing stuff. I want to push pause for a second. This is true of us as individuals, that those things apply. It's also true of us as a community. The lead team and the elders at Crossroads, um, we dedicate ourselves to pursuing these things on behalf of Crossroads Community Church. And in doing so, we feel like God is getting ready to do something big in and through us. And I do not want you to underestimate each of your roles 
as individuals in that process. As we prepare to move forward into whatever it is that God has for us, the only way we can do that in unity is if each one of us has our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the only way we can do that is by living according to God's word, by seeking his counsel and prayer, by seeking the advice of godly believers who have walked the road before us. Please don't underestimate your role as individuals in the future of Crossroads. Okay, push play. Um, point in time, figuring out God's will for us. I read a book a long time ago called Experiencing God by an author named Henry Blackaby. And he kind of gives this outline, which is really, um, I'm not big at thinking it, about things of faith in really linear terms, but I, I find this framework really, really helpful. There are a couple of things that, um, that we can do when we're trying to make point-in-time decisions to see if this is God's will for us. First and foremost is we turn to God's word. The Bible is God's most direct, most accurate, most clear way of speaking to us. The verses that are up there talk about God's word being a light to our path. And it talks about the things that God, God's word does for us. It prepares us, right? So God's word will guide us and it will pre prepare us for what he is leading us to. God's word and prayer. So prayer is, I'd like you to think of it in terms of three components. Yes, we're supposed to ask, right? We're several different places throughout scripture we're told to ask God for what's on our heart, what's on our mind. But we're also commanded to listen. The, the psalmist up there, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in somebody in a face-to-face in a -face relationship, a big part of that is spending time with them. Right? My closest friends, my wife, the people that I could just sit with and do nothing just as easily as I could sit there and talk about realized eschatology, like those, like that's the kind of relationship that we should have with Jesus. And God has really, really, really been pressing this on me this week. For me personally, is to just be with him. I was actually sitting there and I was just, I was really desperate. I wanted God to talk to me. I'm like, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. He's like, I don't have anything to say. Just be, just stop. And I think that's really important for all of us, that we would, the most important thing that prayer does for us is it creates an opportunity for us to spend time with the God of the universe. And maybe you've never heard that before, but the God of the universe wants your time. He wants to spend time with you. And he wants you to spend time with him. The circumstances, right? God is over all of this deal. And we, we go through life on this timeline, and God will do whatever he needs to do to break into our lives to get our attention. And around here, we refer to those as kairos moments. Very smart guy named Mike Breen wrote a whole book about how we identify what a kairos moment is in our lives. It's generally something really big, whether it's a celebration or a struggle, but it's God trying to get your attention. And what we have to do in those moments is we have to be prepared to kind of pull off the side of the road and say, okay, God, what is it that you're saying to me? 
we have to be brave enough to do the hard internal work to say, all right, what is, what is, please, Jesus, speak to me. And when we do that, that's how we redirect our path. If we're, if we're on the right path with God, he'll keep us going that way. If we're smart enough to stop and to listen and to ask the questions. If we need redirection, that gives God an opportunity to redirect us. And that leads to the, to the last one, is other people. The counsel of people who love Jesus and who love you is hugely important. And I'm going to put a, a, a caveat on that. They need to love Jesus enough and they need to love you enough to tell you the truth. Right? We need to have people around us who are willing to pat us on the back and say, yeah, great job, you did it. And we need to have people around us who love us enough to say, you are a knucklehead. You need to stop what you're doing and, and readjust your course. Somebody who can point you to, to a passage in scripture. Somebody who can sit and pray with you. Somebody who wants to do those things, who looks forward to doing those things. Our elders, our lead team, the folks in the back of the room are all anxious to do that for you. That's why we're here. That's, um, that's what we, we long to do. That's what gets us all hopped up and grows our faith in Jesus. All right. So the, we're moving on. Ongoing, right? The things that I mentioned ongoing. Every day, we, we should be striving to have God in front of us and have him guiding our, our steps. And ultimately, the goal is, is this, is that we would, we would live this life in the way that Jesus did when he walked the earth just like we did. And that was with his eyes, um, his eyes fixed on his father. This is from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and it, uh, Jesus had just healed somebody on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees got all bunged up because he did work on the Sabbath, and they didn't want him to do that. That's the context we're coming out of. So I'm going to read this scripture, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed." There's a phrase from that book, Experiencing God. God is always at work. Our goal in trying to live our life in God's will should be to have our eyes open and join God in what he's already doing. And this is my kind of attempt at a graphic depiction of this. I think we live on this continuum when it comes to trying to, sorry, David, I'm like blocking my big fat head. I think we live on this continuum of what it means to live in God's will, what it means to do it. And that, we, you know, off to the, to the far left is my, my will, right? God's not involved. I'm just doing my thing and I'm going about it. And as we begin to realize that God is for us and wants to be in our lives, like 
hey, God, I got this idea. Bless it. Okay, that's, that's traction, right? We're including God in what we're doing. But ultimately, we should be having our eyes fixed on God, looking for where he's at work, right? God's will, and I'm all in. I'm with God. I'm doing what he's doing. And it should be, you know, there's that one, we finish up going backwards on the text. There's that one verse that talks about, you know, kind of like how short life is and how we're going to make the most of every opportunity. It doesn't say God is at work sometimes. It says God is always at work. That means we constantly have opportunities. We need to have our eyes open all the time. Right? If you have a sales call, you know, I had a conversation with somebody who's a member here at Crossroads, and they started doing this a while ago, and it made all the difference in their business, that whenever they have a meeting with a the customer, they'll stop and they'll pray before they go in, and they'll pray for an opportunity to share God's love or God's word or something, something from God with that person that they're, that they're meeting with. We have opportunities every day to join God in what he's doing. And the reason why James is calling them out on, you don't even know if you have tomorrow, is like every one of those opportunities is a chance for God to bless you. God wants to involve you in what he's doing, right? God's got this plan for all of this to be worked out. And he wants your involvement. He doesn't need our involvement. He can make whatever he wants to happen without us. But to be used in somebody else's story to perform an act of kindness for somebody, to share God's word with somebody, to pray with somebody, to bring somebody a meal, to give somebody a ride. We have opportunities day in and day out to join God in what he's already doing. So think about that, right? If we are walking in step with Jesus, if we have our eyes fixed on him and joining him in what he's already doing, how much more confidence can we have taking each step forward? Right, whether it's a call to change, call to stay the course, where the course might be difficult. If we're walking in step with God's will, how much that the God of the universe is leading the way, and we're just kind of tagging along, working with him. And then for those of us, what we all have influence over people around us. Some of us as teachers, some of us as coaches, some of us as parents, aunts and uncles, spiritual mentors. Think about the, the role model that we can set for the people who we do life with. Wow. Like, Debbie just moves through life with such confidence. Debbie, well, how, what, because I'm walking with Jesus. Just doing what Jesus did. And when that happens, we shine a greater light on Jesus. Just like we started with, folks. God is glorified and we benefit when we join with God in every area of our lives. There's not, a, there's not a single area of your life that God doesn't want to be involved in and that he can take and change and multiply and use for your good and for our glory. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you didn't just create this whole thing and set us adrift and leave us to our own devices. Thank you that you gave us the gift of your Bible. Thank you that you gave us a gift of prayer, that you are in control of our circumstances. 
God, thank you for the gift of our brothers and sisters. You have given us so many tools, God, with which to see your hand. Open our eyes, Jesus. Open our eyes to your work. And then give us the courage to join you in that work as we move forward. Sometimes it might not make sense, God. Give us the, the little boost of encouragement that we need when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it'll be crystal clear and every, every obstacle will be removed. And we can just step boldly into your will and into your plan for us. Whether it be hard, whether it be difficult, Jesus, please make us the kind of people that will keep our eyes fixed on you and just long to join you in your work so that we might shine a greater light on you and that we might benefit. Amen.